From WBEZ Chicago and PRX, this is Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. This week, Dessa joins us in front of an audience. Dessa's a poet, author, and hip-hop artist who's as interested in scientific theory as she is in lyrics. I don't want to create the impression that, like, I'm a rapping Bill Nye, because I'm not. But I feel like music and science, um, you know, are both lenses to understand and, and frame a problem. You know, they're both, like, outlets through which you can route curiosity. Plus, we'll review Egypt Station, the 17th solo album from Sir Paul McCartney. And Greg has a song that he can't live without to add to the Desert Island jukebox. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You are listening to Sound Opinions, and later in the show, we're going to talk about Paul McCartney's new album, his first in five years. I mean, McCartney at 76 is still touring like a 23-year-old rocker. And relentlessly doing the promo hype circuit. All over the place, uh, and uh, first studio album in five years for McCartney, but that's later in the show. First, Dessa. It's been assumed I'm soft or irrelevant Cause I refuse to downplay my intelligence But in the room of thugs and rap veterans Why am I the only one who's acting like a gentleman? Good form, bad taste, That was a little bit of the song The Bullpen by our guest this week, Dessa. I mean, to say she's a rapper really undersells her because she's also a singer, a writer, a renaissance woman in the truest sense. Uh, she's released four albums that showcase her signature lyrics with the Doomtree Hip Hop Collective out of Minneapolis an artist-run label that uh, really does put a premium on lyrics. Her latest album is called Chime. But if that isn't enough, she's also an author. Her book, My Own Devices, True Stories from the Road on Music, Science, and Senseless Love is just out. And recently, she and singer-guitarist Matthew Santos joined us and an audience at the Goose Island Tap Room in Chicago for an intimate acoustic performance and a conversation. We don't want to delve too much into the ancient history because we're really excited about Chime. Thanks. Fourth Thanks. album of your career. Um, and it's making a lot of noise. Thanks. <laughs> what was your goal, Dessa? You know, you reach a point, yeah. four albums in, you, you've got to wonder, do I have anything to say anymore? I could go get gainful employment. Right. <laughs> I could get dental. <laughs> yeah. 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 What was your goal when you set out to make this one? You know, I think, um, I think for a lot of us in, in hip-hop, like, pop has been a dirty word for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, stems back from, like, this backpack tradition where that was like the only thing that you listen to and and I've always secretly liked pop and I think a lot of other people have too so so on this record I wanted to sort of remove that self-established prohibition you know mm-hmm. from singing like a, a catchy hook and to try to do it without like forfeiting any of the the commitment to lyrics that attracted me to hip-hop in the first place I'm a high-strung, universal donor That's type A, type O To wake up, calm down, or shape up Chai T, Chai T, type O No easy money, I'm trying to get rich slow Standing on the acorn I planted I trust that oak trees grow ENFP Myers Briggs Keeping the content, but giving people a hook Yeah, because I feel like there's this idea that um, That like, oh, you know Pop isn't isn't for intellectual listening, and in part that's true. You know, it's like I don't turn to pop music for like moral guidance or you know philosophical insights. 
But I don't think you ruin a pop song by having good writing on it. Yeah. I think it can withstand that. And hmm. um, and then you know, working with a lot of the Doomtree producers, I was also interested in just making some some rap bangers and mm-hmm. then finding a way to make them compatible. Yeah. On one yeah. record. Yeah. You've always been kind of genre agnostic, though. I think even from the first record, you were kind of. You were on this, everybody thought Doomtree, it's going to be a, a hardcore hip-hop record, you mm-hmm. know, a, a backpack record, like you were saying. And there was a lot more on it than, than that, obviously. So that's something that's always been in part of your DNA musically from the start. Yeah. So it, it, it probably took a little bit of a courage to, to put a record like that out on Doomtree initially. Uh, what, was it, what was going through your head when mm-hmm. you were starting to form how you wanted to present your, your words musically? I... I was helped in my courageousness by almost total ignorance and that like I'm still not very good at listening to a song and knowing exactly what it's called you know like Mm -hmm. I use the word prog a lot because it seems like that gets me out of Mm. (laughs) out of Mm. trouble like like yes and Genesis prog (laughs) see already I'm in too deep we have to move on Uh, I just I don't know I think I've said it before but I feel like genre is a great tool to figure out how to shelve a record. And it's not a great tool to figure out how to make a record. Like, I think good music has more in common with other good music than it has with any other member of the category in which it resides. And so I was, I was just interested in, in harmonies and words and beats that moved me. And, um, and even now, like, at, after I finished Chime, I was like, Lazyby, how many, how many rap songs do you think are on this record? And he and I totally disagreed, you know? <laughs> like, I don't know how few notes you can use with your voice before you're technically rapping and then how many you add and you're technically singing, even, you know? You train up on the mountains, have to weaponize the blood. You bring your body back to sea level to see what body does. And it runs, and it runs, and it runs. It was just jump rope well, one beautiful thing is you don't have to hire out to somebody to uh, sing the hooks on your on your songs because <laughs> you can cheap. sing them yourself, really right? Cheap. You're yeah. a one one woman band, right? <laughs> well, I think we're remiss if we don't have you guys launch into a song, give people a taste, especially because we're all really excited to hear what this. You're completely <laughs> reinventing yourself, mm-hmm. right? Oh, now, when you're playing on stage, you've been touring a lot behind Chime. Yeah. What is the lineup? Usually, we're a five-piece, so we've got a lot of voices, and we've got in, within those five players, we've got a lot of multi-instrumentalists as well, so there's a lot of wires and a lot of talent on stage. Mm. And, uh, and now, being joined by, by Matthew, he is doing the lion's share of, of the lifting, because <laughs> I am here empty-handed, encumbered only by my silver rings, and he's mm. got a guitar <laughs> with which he has to do all the music. Not a lot of wires. What are you going to play? Mm-hmm. This one's called uh, Good Grief. Got snow in my pocket, one done again head first. Lace drill bits to my point shoes, pirouette to the hard with the bader. Night falls, day breaks, time has a funny kind of violence, and I'm trying to keep in mind it can leave you the way it finds you. Good grief, I've heard people say it, what a phrase, what a state to be in, but I don't know where they go to get, get that feeling. My knees stay clean, not much for praying, do my own stunts and my own saving, but there's something I miss, something I've been missing, maybe, maybe good grief. Sell it from the bed Maybe it's only in the fact 
is good green How can you tell it from the bed? Maybe it's only in the fair Good grief's the one that's in your pair This time my best wasn't good enough Well, huh, usually it is And the air got a little rough Took off the fuselage and engine and both wings But I'm ready to work for this Just show me what it did I'm ready to hurt for this I know exactly what this is that good grief, the one that heals me, that leaves me clarified by fire when I'm burned clean, tempered by light and heat. On the dead of morning, I'll be better for it and then fortified I'll rise. Bust the hydrant, then it's put champagne. Wings are broken, but I feel no pain. It's real today. I know this feeling, let it rain. They say there's good grief. How can you tell it? Don't like to be kept on mine. Jumped over the fence, I guess. I should be upset, but I'm in my neck out on the lawn. Thinking better that they're gone. I've been afraid of this so long. It's a relief when it comes mine. Oh, I'm here now. And dead skin rubbed me down. But kissed me, burned me clean. Like glass from sandy ground Cause I'm here now And their skin rubbed me down We kissed me, burned me clean Like glass from sandy ground Maybe it's just the one that Maybe it's just Great stuff. Good grief from Dessa and Matthew Santos on Sound Opinions. We are here at the Goose Island Tap Room with Dessa and Matthew Santos. Um, that was a beautiful version of that song. Um, you know, when people think of hip hop, they think of uh, you know somebody rapping over beats and working methodology, writing these songs, um, sitting down with an acoustic guitar or a guitarist and writing the songs. I mean, coming from different places every time. Or is the working method mm. similar with each song? Yeah, I mean, I would say, like, this is one of the few experiences I could count on one hand, like the time that I've done a rap show with two people with crossed legs <laughs> for the entirety mm. of the performance. <laughs> but um, for me, most of the songs I'd say are, are germinated with a beat that's been created, usually by one of the other producers in Doomtree. So shout out to Laserbeak and Paper Tiger, Sea Slaughter, POS. Mm -hmm. And then... From there, 
I think I probably frustrate and occasionally irritate them by saying, cool beat, cool beat, cool beat. I wrote a song and I'd like to change. And then, mm. you know, like I want to gut the bridge. And I was thinking, what if we had like, you know, an octet, no big deal. Come in and, <laughs> and, um, and play strings over it and, you know, make it soft. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, I think that I think that very often it's like finding a beat that ha- that feels like it has footholds in it. So sometimes that happens already when I hear um, the song, the beat for Warsaw made by Paper Tiger. I could kind of move my body and imagine the way that rapping over that would feel. So I knew what kind of flow to use to write that beat. Whip with no candle, wheel with no axle, no ride with no saddle, no lift, then I'm dragging the kite. Um, and occasionally for some of the more sing-songy stuff. Um, it does help to build the chord changes in first so that I know exactly how to kind of surf over that musically. Mm-hmm. And, and also, you know, hip-hop is so rhythmic. The words uh-huh. have to sort of, the, the, there's cadence there. So are you paying attention to that or sometimes you just say, screw it, I can't, I can't fit this yeah. thought into if that you, space? If you say screw it, you have a bad song. So I'm definitely <laughs> tempted to say screw it, but yeah. then when you listen back, it's so whack. Yeah. It's just bad. So, you know, part of what makes exactly that, part of what makes hip hop lyrics interesting is not just content, uh, although that's part of it, and not just like verbal dexterity, uh, although that's part of it too. You know, these double entendres and word plays mm-hmm. and puns and interesting references. But part of it is you have to be, you have to participate as a vocal percussionist, you know? And sure. if you don't, you sound very. Pre '88, you know, it's, it sounds very nursery rhyming. Those of you who've had to like pretend to do a rap at an office party or have heard someone try <laughs> know exactly what I'm talking about. You're a great public speaker, and you do a lot of teaching. Uh, so there's this kind of uh, science nerd aspect to your background, uh-huh. which you apply to this record. I'm, there's there's stories coming out about you had the science experiment done on your brain, right? Basically, <laughs> to, to figure out how, how, how it works in relationship to a relationship that you had, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, I, um, partly as an art project and partly as a science project and partly as, a, as an attempt to solve a real-world problem, I worked with a group of scientists at an fMRI lab at the University of Minnesota and also with a neurofeedback clinician to see if we could identify the structures within my brain that are most closely associated with romantic love and then to get them to shut up because I'd been <laughs> in love with the guy for a really long time and it wasn't working out. And, uh, and I don't want to create the impression that like, I'm a rapping Bill Nye because I'm not. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no like, there's no neuroscience, there are no neuroscientific terms on the record or anything. Right. But, but I feel like music and science um, you know, are both lenses to understand and, and frame a problem. You know, they're both like outlets through which you can route curiosity and creativity. So, so yeah, I think in any given like four-year period, a lot of whatever I'm going through as a human being is, of course, going to be reflected and represented on, on the record that I make during that time. You gave a great uh, commencement address at, uh, at your alma mater, University of Minnesota, in 2012. In modern American culture, and maybe in a lot of other places too, I think we do a lot of our failing in private, and we do a lot of our succeeding outside, in public, and whenever we can, in front of a camera. You know, I played it for my daughters too, and it was one of those things where, listen to this, um, 
One of the things he said that really stuck with me is the whole idea of, of willingness to fail. And I think that that aversion to public failure diminishes us. And ultimately, I think that it reduces the scope of our successes. Can you address that issue, like the, the mm -hmm. idea of willing, being willing to fail in yeah. order to find out what kind of a person you are? How did you come to that sort of <sighs> conclusion in your own life? I will say that, like, um, although we had a pretty volatile relationship for my, some of my childhood and teenage years, like, my dad has become a really great friend and guide to me. And so some of the counsel that, that I may have forwarded in that speech was, was plagiarized pretty directly from Bob Wander, shout out. Um, mm -hmm. I think that there is sort of, like, a particular kind of hardcover book right now that sanctifies failure. And I do not participate in that particular trend. I think failure sucks. I think it hurts. Uh, and I avoid it enthusiastically, except for the fact that never failing sucks so much worse than failing because you haven't reached or tried or really demarcated the parameters of your capacity and ability as a human being. So if you only do stuff that you know that you're going to be good at and going to win, you avoid the fear of the pain of failure, but you also avoid like the glory of all this untapped potential. So you, you lead a safe, I think, but, um, but a much smaller life than the one that might have been available to you if you were willing to be occasionally uh, humiliated. Right. Did you find out from first-hand experience? I mean, I'm I mean, uh, it's like, I feel like a lot of these songs on almost all of my records are very stylized accounts of humiliation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, I mean, we have subtext here. That's good. I like it. Like, what's a torch song except for like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you do like flipping the script. Good grief and uh, positive failure. Um, uh, Cot's been monopolizing the conversation. I want to ask more questions too, but we should get another song first. What are you going to play? This one is Half of You. This is a, uh, another one from Time, yeah. say that your heart is the size of your fist I can tell you firsthand I know how that glove fits takes your whole life just to teach you two tricks it beats and it attacks and in between is all of love and loss attraction you live your life between contractions and you and I would do just that but what if I could cure me so sure which pill I choose maybe I'm happier with half of you than I'd be with clean but empty rooms in the mess it's made of us there's still so much to lose the key I swallowed the lock you picked all these spinning bottles and I'm still the markumist We should be a settled argument But I can't do that I can't remove the screws of my own youth Can't just pull out all the fuses and start new Can't erase, can't undo my past with you And I know it's, it's not the sort of thing you're supposed to show If you can, you're supposed to try to let it go 
you just shoulder what you can and soldier through but what if i could cure me of you am i so sure which pill i choose maybe i'm happier with half of you than i'd be with claim but empty rooms in the mess that's made of us there's still so much to lose I get this feeling when I'm far away from home that I don't know the girl I'd be if we'd left well enough alone what is well enough oh what is well enough enough alone what if I could cure so sure which pill I choose maybe I'm happier with half of you than I'd be with clean but empty rooms in the mess that's made of us there's still so much to lose maybe I'm happier with half of you than I'd be with clean but empty rooms in the mess that's made of us there's still so much, there's still so much left to Santos backing her up here live at the Goose Island Tap Room. Beautiful stuff. Half of you. You don't believe that, yes. right? You don't believe I you're don't better off with half of I you than know. an empty room? I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I think I'm still deciding whether or not happiness feels like the ultimate good. Maybe sometimes being connected is even better than being happy, but that's not very woke, maybe. <laughs> is that not very feminist? I don't know. After a short break, we'll continue our conversation with Dessa from the Goose Island Tap Room in Chicago. That's in a minute on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. I've seen Gibraltar, I've seen the Taj Mahal, Soweto, Aya Sophia, Chef Shaolin paints the walls blue. I've played to full rooms, I've played the full two. Burning through the bottoms of a pair of new boots. Cut my hair, take my fist down. A woman on her own must be from out of town. Funny, you don't know the concessions that you're making until you catalog them. And by then, they're many, and your battle hardened heat makes liquid of the asphalt. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott, and my partner is Jim DeRigatis. This week is our interview with the rapper Dessa. We spoke with her in front of a live audience at the Goose Island Tap Room in Chicago. You're hearing a little bit of the song Fire Drills from her latest record, Chime. You can't be too broke to break. As a woman, always something left to take. So you shouldn't try to stay too late. Or talk to strangers, look too long, go too far out of range Cause angels can't watch everybody all the time Stay close, hems low, safe inside That formula works if you can live it But it works by putting half the world off limits 
This song has become an anthem for the Me Too movement, and Dessa's songs haven't traditionally been explicitly political, so I asked where the inspiration for this track came from. Because you don't do politics, no, don't. you know, front and center. Mm-hmm. You deal with them as they affect your life. You don't set out to say, I'm going to write an anthem. No, I don't. No, I don't. And to be honest, like, I've been, I've been selective about how and when and where I've engaged in a lot of gender conversations. Mm-hmm. In part, because I think um, even really good intentions uh, can sometimes alienate the people who I most want to connect with. So, or we could accuse you of capitalizing on oh, absolutely. pain and an issue. Oh, absolutely. So like initially, I mean, uh, so I'd written the song Fire Drills, and I was feeling pretty good about the writing of it, you know? And I, and I, was, I was avoiding the pitfalls that I'd hoped to avoid, and I had some, some rap lines that felt solid. And then I recorded it, and then in the interim of having it in the can and waiting to release the new record, um, the Me Too movement uh, really... Ignited. Ignited. Overnight. Yeah. yeah. So, as a person in the world, that's exciting to watch a new justice emerge. As a songwriter and a selfish little creepy, you know, artist sitting alone in her living room, I thought, oh my God, are people going to think that I wrote this to try to ride the wave of this conversation, right? To say, mm-hmm. okay, well, check out my cool Me Too track, you know, like drop that buck 29 on me at Apple, I'm going to get rich, you know, a... Uh, uh, decaf coffee at a time. Um, <laughs> but I, d- I did worry yeah. about that. But we're not seeing that. We're seeing it in sports. We're, we're seeing it in politics. Senator Al Franken of your fine state. We're not seeing it in music. There is no one technically who's laterally related to your music. You know what I mean? You're opening for someone. Someone's a sound tech. You're headlining for them the next day. Like, if, if there was a prohibition on having sex with anyone who had more or less power than you, like... It's a, it's a tricky world to navigate in. So I thought, A, am I complicit in anything? Are, do, you, do you know any rumors about dudes that you should be sharing? B, should I watch my P's and Q's and, and have, you know, watch my guys mind theirs in a new way because we're all being woken up by some of these concerns? And then, and then C, feeling like a lot of feelings that I'd suppressed about be, just being hurt. It's tricky to be a woman, and I don't like talking about that because rap and my chosen profession is, is aggressive. Yeah. And, and so trying to figure out like what is what is big, hard, difficult social change look like when it's advocated in a compassionate way? Because I think it's important that there just be like frontline fighters. I'm less good at warfare, like in in, in yelling and name calling. Like so for me, the most I think that I can offer to that kind of discussion is to say. Here is the true story of my experience and trust that Mm. the truth does its own work. I don't have to say, and you're a jerk, and this is how you got, I wanna say, hey, just so you know, this is the private experience that most of us walk around with all day. Mm. I wonder if knowing that might might evoke a feeling that makes you wanna change a little. I disagree with only the part about you not being good at it because fire drills is an amazing piece of art. But it's, but it's I, right? It's like, this is how I feel. Yeah, well, that's it's, all we can all talk saying, about. You're a jerk, right. I, I, yeah. For me, I'm moved by personal stories the yeah. most and I feel checked by them. I feel inspired by them. And for me, like my personal changes happen not when somebody says, uh, you're line stepping, but like, hey, just for the record, that was my line. Yeah. And that yeah. hurt. Yeah. You know? Um, so when you finish a song like that, and you said you had some doubts about it, what has been the response to that song 
uh, now that you're performing it live? It's been, yeah, I mean, there was, like, I recorded the demo um, in my apartment sitting <clears throat> on the floor. And maybe to test the waters just a little bit, I had recorded it on Instagram, just recording one verse, you know, so the listeners couldn't hear the music, just the words that I was doing. And thinking back, I, I might have done that because it provided an opportunity for commenters to say, like, what, mm. or, you know, some early feedback. But now that we're performing it live, Matthew and Sam and Kara and Jonathan, the, the whole five piece together, it feels, to me at least, really powerful. Like, and there's a kind of an emotional crescendo in the third verse. Um, and I'm moved. I mean, I can feel my blood racing and my, my adrenaline going by watching the faces making expressions that feel like the one that I'm wearing. And also, it's been amazing to like get notes from dads. Mm. Yeah, I think mm. that's dads. been the most. Yeah, like us. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Just like how how the heck do you? I mean. How do you swim against the tide, right? And, and raise a kid in a way that makes her feel empowered yeah. and bold and brave, but also keeps her safe. I mean, it's hard. But definition, you can't make a difference. If the big ambition is simply standing sentry to your innocence, that's not a way to live. That can't be what a woman is. That gives her nothing to aspire to. What that is, what that is, it's just a life of running fire drills. You, uh, you've made this uh, amazing album, Chime, and um, you know, I'm wondering, you, said, you, you talked about the pop aspects of it, you know, going more in that direction. I've been covering hip-hop since it was started almost, and it, it, there's this battle about what is real hip-hop. Yeah. Um, do you get that a lot because you're not always I'm in that hip-hop. area? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would say that at the very beginning of my career, um, I was... I was very conscious of it. Like I, I didn't sing on Doomtree songs because I didn't want to be dismissed as a, as like the girl who came in to sing, sing, sing the hooks, which is like a very kind of frosting role and didn't feel, to me feel integral. And I used to wear boys' clothes with, um, I used to wear boxers that were like folded over the outside of my raver pants so that you could tell I wasn't wearing panties. I was wearing boxers. <laughs> <laughs> cool, <laughs> regressive thinking. And um, how, how old were you then? Yeah, I, I think only like nine would make that okay. Right, I, yeah, was, yeah, I, yeah, was, yeah. I was like, I was like twenty-one. Yeah, you got to put it in context. Yeah. <laughs> so I was in my early twenties. And, but I remember being told, like, you're not a rapper. And I was like, what else would make me a rapper besides rapping? I haven't met too many women in this business that I really like. I, I, but you could hold a little liquor, you could hold the conversation, you could hold your own mic. And even that night, I learned the truth about your man. You gotta be big to treat pretty girls bad. I feel like I, I can just do the best at making this kind of music that I can. I gotta be mindful because it is racially fraught. Mm-hmm. It is racially fraught. Um, but I'm not going to do work to try to fit into something that I can't be. So I'm just going to have to figure it out. Make good songs, be kind to people, and honor the fact that like, this is an art form that's been popularized by marginalized people. And then people who look more like me are sometimes the ones who financially capitalize on that. So what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. You know, And sometimes maybe that means like, um, collaborating in mindful ways. Sometimes that means like being mindful about where the money goes. Maybe every once in a while it's saying, hey, you know, I'm not the right person for that gig. 
But my homie so-and-so is a really, really great pick. Can I give you his number? And if he's unavailable, then holler. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we're living in a post-Malone world, right? Uh, it's one of those you know, <laughs> anointed white rapper of the moment, right? Um, there are a lot of young women who look up to you, and men, too, uh, because you're independent. You're, you made it, you forged this kind of lengthy career without having to be any obvious strings attached to any big corporations or anything like that. Um, what would your advice be to somebody who wanted to model themselves after what you do? Mm-hmm. I would say at the very beginning, um, again, advice for Bob Wander, but keep your overhead low, which is to say the fewer hours that you have to spend making money to feed a fancy shoe habit um, are the more hours that you get to master your craft. The second thing I'd say is um, I think that when people are at the stage where you're forming like a business, you know, even if you're not incorporated yet, you're just trying to like get the thing off the ground, um, that there's so much that can be done without money. Like if you keep... If you look to your friends and to your friends' friends and all the way out with an eye towards saying, not only where are you right now, right? Let's say you work at a sandwich shop. Okay, well, maybe they could cater the next video shoot. But where are they going to go? What do they want? And is there something that I can do to help them get one step closer to their goals in exchange for them getting me one step closer to mine? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just reach out to your community, right? Find, make connections. Trade, barter, yeah. Yeah. There you go. It's kind of commie. Kind of commie. <laughs> Very socialist of you. Um, we want to get another song from you guys. Yeah, what are sure. you going to play? Our last one, I think. Let's do. Let's do the. Let's take a risk. Let's do. Let's do five out of six. This is an acoustic rendition. Okay. Of a banger. Double jointed, triple thread. I'm not some method actress trying to see my my descent. You're gonna have to play the tape backwards. Save that breath for choir practice. Got no time for my detractor standing on my staircase. All you was a fire hazard, but my timing now. I'm vetted, uncontested. See how an honest answer shuts down. Mother asking trick questions. I'm out here, arms wide, hiding nothing. I've done it all in broad daylight. I left the cameras running. The Phoenix and the ash, red eyes shining in the camouflage. My secret. Yes, I don't keep nothing. See something, go ahead and say something. I ain't afraid of it. I don't drown. We'll sit down. It finds a way to rise somehow. Skin the crowd is up, coming out, and I don't see too many rivals now. I don't need an agenda. I just tell the truth, let it off the leash, don't touch it, it knows what to do. I'm running a tight ship, every deckhand here has a five-year plan and an ice pick. They can write code, they can drive a stick, I got an octave on you and a high kick. Don't blink, I don't block, I'm a bleeder, all I do is hit. I don't win them all, but I'd say I take five out of six. Clock's running, but it glove up if you insist. Okay, let's see who's really counting coup and who's been counterfeit. I'm a phoenix. In the edge, red eyes shining in the camera flash. My secret is I don't keep nothing. See something, go ahead and say something. I ain't afraid of it. I don't drown, won't sit down. He finds a way to rise somehow. Scan the crowd as I'm coming out, and I don't see too many rivals now. Cut my own gills with a pocket knife. Turning my fingers in the sockets, my daily dose of, my daily dose of, my daily dose of lightning. Just buzzed enough to get me climbing up the curtain.
right string my back is aching my belt's too tight i better chisel tip to this pencil fight no luck just for the fat dice i'm going morning and night and i'm really rising i'm really rising the fire on the horizon phoenix and the edge red eyes shining in the camera flash my secret is i don't keep nothing see something go ahead and say something i ain't afraid of it i don't drown won't stay down he finds a way to rise somehow scan the crowd is on coming out and i don't see too many rivals now phoenix and the ash red eyes shining in the camera flash my secret is i don't keep nothing see something go ahead and say something i ain't afraid of it i don't drown won't stay down he finds a way to rise somehow scan the crowd is on coming out and i don't see too many rivals now Five Out of Six by Dessa Darling, uh, Margaret Wander. Used in to case, be. Well, be. in case people keep wondering who the hell Bob Wander is, we got to give a <laughs> shout out to your dad. That's true. Okay. Matthew Santos in a really special stripped down uh, semi-acoustic performance, all acoustic, mm-hmm. all acoustic performance at the Goose Island Tap Room. Thanks so much, guys, for coming in. Thanks. Thanks. That wraps up our conversation with Dessa at the Goose Island Tap Room in Chicago, and we have video of her performance at soundopinions.org. We always want to hear from you. Let us know what you think and why on our hotline, 888-859-1800, or via Twitter or Facebook. When we come back after a short break, we'll give our opinions on the latest from some uh, you know, sprite young thing from Liverpool, Sir Paul McCartney. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. He is Greg Codd, and that is the one and only Sir Paul McCartney with a track called I Don't Know from his 17th studio solo album, Egypt Station. Who needs to introduce Paul McCartney? He had this band back in the 60s, you know, and then he went on to Wings, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, Paul has not given us a new uh, album of new material for five years. Uh, And he's been everywhere uh, doing a lot of promo for this album. He wants the world to know that it's out there. Let's play a track and we'll come back and give our opinions on the latest from Paul McCartney. This is a song called Who Cares from Egypt Station on Sound Opinions.
cares from the new Paul McCartney record, Egypt Station? Well, who cares, you know? It is one there of is those questions. Question. Who, who cares? McCartney's 76 years old. There's going to be people who are Beatles fans who are going to buy everything McCartney records. Is this record speaking to a new generation of music listeners? That is a good question because I'm not sure uh, I have a great answer for it. I do think that McCartney still has a vitality to the way he's able to write songs, melodies, uh, that is unrivaled. And I think he found a good match in Greg Kirsten, who is a classically trained composer Mm -hmm. who can sort of complement the compositional strengths that McCartney has. If we look too closely at McCartney's lyrics, <laughs> we get into some dire, dire straits here because he's it took not... took you about six sentences to you get know, there. You uh, know, McCartney's he's hit and miss as a lyricist. Yes. Let's put it that way. Um, there are some songs on here that I think are quite interesting lyrically, to say the least. Happy With You is a song that uh, he casually rolls out these ideas that... Oh, by the way, I lied to my doctor. I used to drink too much, forgot to go. So he's kind of giving you some inside, uh, you know, dope about uh, his personal life. And I think there's some moments on this record that have some genuine strength to them. Uh, That uh, song we just played, Who Cares? You know, I like McCartney in trashy garage rock mode. I think that's a nice, nice feel for him. Uh, I love the acid folk McCartney of Dominoes and Confidant. There's some really trippy, surrealistic lyrics in mm-hmm. Confidant. He's talking about butterflies wearing boots, you know. it made Butterflies me think of... wearing combat boots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. In our imaginary world Where butterflies wear army boots And stomp around the forest Chanting long lost anthems Long lost anthems Uh, then there's these progressive rock tunes at the end of the record that are just like, wow, these sound like Frankenstein now see, now creations. See, I, you're going to talk about despite repeated warnings. Yeah. And uh, despite rhyming uh, Planet and Janet, yeah. uh, and not in the sense of Rocky Horror Picture Show, I actually think that's a fairly interesting track. It's interesting, but, it's but not man, a good song. It's, yeah, no, it's no. not. That's the thing. He's He kind of went overboard. And then the Ryan Tedder track. Ryan Tedder oh is kind of the ringer in here. He's the hit doctor, uh, that full you song. For you, you. F U H. F U H. Wow, that's uh, that's a Dyer McCartney right there. Look, you know you. Raise this obliquely. If this came to us via anyone other than Paul McCartney, right, mm. who is a treasure, who has earned the right, like Bob Dylan, to do whatever he wants at age 76, I don't know if we would care. There are some tunes here that rank with his absolute all-time worst. Uh, I'm talking like up there with Ebony and Ivory and Silly Love Songs. Uh, listen to Back in Brazil. All right. You know, on top of this faux, like, bossa nova mm. groove, you know, he's telling us nights are for dancing, days are for sun. It's like, oh, my God. And then it builds to the choruses or the bridges or whatever you want to call them of Ichiban, 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 chanted repeatedly. Um, yeah. You know, it, that is just so embarrassingly bad. Obviously, he is in that rare realm 
of superstardom and genius where nobody can come and say, hey, Paul, buddy, you know, that one, that's not up Mm. to snuff. You know what I mean? The fact is, will you ever play this record again? There are easily 25 records he's either been part of a band of or had a... Well, never. You know, but I do play and cherish the Fireman records Mm -hmm, where he made that those EDM forays with youth. I'm still intrigued by the Liverpool Sound Collage record uh, with the Super Furry Animals. I love Run Devil Run, you know, which is what, 15 years old now or something, 20 years Mm -hmm. old? It was just him playing the songs he fell in love with as a 16-year-old rock and roller. Um, This is not in the top... 20 or 25 or 30 Paul McCartney releases, you know, and there's just no reason to care if it wasn't him. So do you think it's completely worthless? I would say there's, I I think there's about four or five songs on here that I think are pretty pretty close to top tier McCartney. They're not like, you know, the masterpieces, but they're good songs. Give them to me again. Who cares? Dominoes, Confidant, and and Caesar Rock, I just think is a weirdo funk track that uh, I kind of like. Uh, I don't know. The more Paul I listen, playing in the that's a fireman track that should have been on the fireman. The first record. few times I listened, I'm like, okay, this is pleasant enough. And then I started to hear the lyrics, and then I started to realize where he had recycled all of those melodies before, <laughs> where they came from. You know, there's just nothing here. I saw you flash a smile that seemed to me to say you wanted so much more than casual conversation. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Remember, we were shipwrecked together. As often as possible here on Sound Opinions, one of us takes a trip to the desert island and plays a song we can't live without. Mr. Cott, it's your turn. Jim, uh, we just passed the anniversary of uh, 9-11, 17th anniversary, and uh, we all, I don't think we'll ever forget that day as long as we live. Anybody who was alive during that time uh, and conscious is, is going to remember that day. Um I remember so many things. I remember, though, some songs that were swirling around in my brain all that week prior to 9-11 the, uh, occurring. Mm. And uh, they hang with me still. I hear those songs, and they remind me of that day. Uh, and two albums came out that day. Can you remember? Two pretty significant albums no. came out that no, day, 9-11-2001. Back um, when they were album release days, yes, and they were on Tuesdays. Correct. They were, they were on Tuesdays. Slayer's God Hates Us All and Bob Dylan's Love and Theft. Mm. And so those two, two albums I've been listening to a lot in the week leading up to it. And in fact, my reviews ran that day in the Tribune, and you know nobody's reading the paper that day. Right. They're all like freaking... Glued to the TV. Uh, living through this horror on their television sets. God Hates Us All kind of says it all. I mean, that's, you know, you'd think, wow, talk about something that you know, people were feeling that day. Like, how can this happen? Mm. And the Dylan album, Love and Theft, is just brimming with imagery of disaster and apocalypse, never more so than in the song High Water for Charlie Patton. Mm. Charlie Patton's original song, High Water Everywhere, was written about the great Mississippi flood of 1927, mm-hmm. a, an apocalyptic disaster that rivals the, the 9-11 you know, disaster in our, in our country. The great flood of 1927 basically wiped out uh, a good chunk of the South. 27,000 square miles were 30 feet underwater, mm. uh, displacing 630,000 people. A lot of people say the diaspora really got a huge 
boost because of that. People had nowhere to live. Yeah. That's why they started coming north and presaged the, uh, the Great Depression a few years later because they, the, the economy was just wiped out. In the same way, Dylan is, you know, uh, paying tribute to the author of that song, Charlie Patton, and also the, the, the sense of doom that everybody was living through at the time. And to have that song come out on 9-11, uh, it was just too uh, unreal. This song is, is haunting. Uh, I, I listened to a couple of things. Dylan's voice, those lyrics, Larry Campbell's banjo is, mm. is, a, is a, the driving force on the record, as well as David Kemper's drums. There's something about the rumble in those drums that still sends a chill down my spine. Uh, it's like those levees breaking and the, and the water tumbling down. And I, t- I tell you, every time 9-11 rolls around, I hear this song. Uh, Bob Dylan from Love and Theft, High Water for Charlie Patton on Sound Opinions. High water rising, rising night and day. All the gold and silver being stolen away. Picture Turner looking east and west from the dark room of his mind. He made your Kansas City, 12th Street and Vine. Nothing standing there. I want to hear the word. I want a rising, the shacks are sliding down. Folks lose their possessions, the folks are leaving town. Bertha Mason shook it, broke it, and she hung it on the wall. Say you're dancing with whom they'd tell you to, or you don't dance at all. It's tough out there. I want her everywhere. I got a craving love for blazing speed, got a hopped up Mustang Ford. Jump into the wagon, love, throw your panties overboard. I can write you poems, make a strong man lose his mind. I'm no pig without a wig, I hope you treat me kind. Things are breaking up out there. I want everywhere. High water rising, six inches above my head. Coffins dropping in the street like balloons made out of lead. What I poured into Vicksburg, don't know what I'm gonna do. Don't reach out for me, she say. Can't you see I'm drowning too? It's rough out there. High water for Charlie Patton by Bob Dylan, Greg's Desert Island jukebox pick this week. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, diss tracks. Artists settling their scores through music. I squeeze and bust. If the beef between us, we can settle it with the chrome and metal shit. I make it hot like a kettle get. You're delicate. You better get who sent you. You're still pedal. I got more rise than great adventure. Greg, we have some thanks to say on the way out. Colin Ashmead Bobbitt helped with the recording of Dessa. And Sound Opinions was produced by Brendan Banisak, Alex Claiborne, Iona Contreras, and Andrew Gill. We also bid farewell this week to Hannah Edgar. I hope we have haven't ruined her life too much. Hello, hello. What's your only girl? Girl, I think about. You're the only girl for me. Girl, I think about. You're special. No one loves you. No one loves you. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. 
Jim and Greg. This is Scott from Gary, Indiana. And I've been a long time listening. And I'm so glad that you guys finally gave Disco the respect that it deserves. One thing I think you guys omitted from your dissection was uh, the great Tony Thompson, who is actually the drummer of Sheik, one of the greatest drummers who ever lived. When Led Zeppelin wanted a drummer, when they reconfigured for a one-off gig at Live Aid, they could have had any drummer in the world to replace John Bonham. They chose Tony Thompson. He was that great. Keep up with you guys are doing, and make sure you, <laughs> you tell everyone about Tony Thompson. Hi, my name is Kate. I'm from uh, the Philly area, and uh, I wasn't alive during the disco era, but... I used to work at this really big craft store. One day, something went weird with the playlist, and it just turned into this huge disco playlist. It had tons of Donna Summer, tons of the Fiji's, it had the hustle on it. Do the hustle. It was great, like just listening to the happy music. I would hear my coworkers singing. We would find customers dancing in the aisles. And one day I went in and they stopped using it, and work was just never the same. Thank you, and uh, I hope you have a great day. Hi, just wanted to call and thank you guys for the rebroadcasting on your piece on Disco. Um, I just thought, however, you missed a couple of things. Um, in saying that Disco influenced other genres like rap, you neglected to mention the impact that it had on house music. The origins of house music are directly a result from disco, the vibe, the attitude, the musicianship, the whole thing. Um, and no disrespect to Donna Summer, but Lolita Holloway is the true queen of disco. I uh, did want to thank you for the tribute to disco and thank you for not mentioning Disco Duck in your tribute, even though I just did. Hi, this is Bob from Croton, New York. Guys, I love your show. Did not appreciate the cheap shot at Disco Heaters. Sorry, it's not that we dislike the music because of prejudice against women, gay, or minorities. My friends who grew up in, yes, mostly white suburban New York. We were teens in the 70s in Disco's heyday and did not like Disco because it flat out sucked. The whole scene had an uncool vibe. It was mindless, had sad fashion sensibility. I mean, come on, polyester suits and whistles around necks. You gave a nice history and great that you liked the music, but please cut us some slack and don't cast aspersions on people who disagree. Thanks. Hi, Jim and Greg. This is Sam calling from Austin, Texas. In response to your what is the most wonderful thing that Sire Records released, my view is that it was the re-release of the Nuggets compilation, which I absolutely would not be without. I feel depressed, I feel so bad. There's too much wonderful one-hits that otherwise 
wood had disappeared. And Sire put it back out, and my mind was blown. My 19-year-old mind was easier to blow than it is today. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.